0: Hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in again to another episode of the Whiskering Podcast. This may be episode 100. We are right around that number, including bonus episodes that have come out. Thank you so much for listening for all this time. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. So, thank you. A couple of quick updates, and then we'll jump right into the episode. First off, we have now picked our two barrels of Jack Daniels barrel proof rye. I was down in Nashville in June. Picked two barrels that were completely different from each other, but both just knocked our socks off. So those are going to be going live sometime in the early fall. I will keep you up to date on that. Number two, we have multiple other barrel picks coming. The first one that's probably going to come out is going to be a barrel rye finished in Armagnac casks. This was chosen in partnership with Perry over at This Is My Bourbon Podcast, so you co-listeners are really going to love that, and we are brainstorming some sticker ideas right now that is going to make it even more attractive for your shelf. Hopefully you'll drink it, but it'll be good for the shelf too. Another barrel put coming out, Spirits of French Lick is getting chosen as we speak, and I'll keep you updated on that. Last thing, and then I'll let you go right into the episode, is... During my last update, I mentioned that there were four spots available at that top tier of $25 a month. At $25 a month on Patreon, you get not only first access to, well, everything, and access to everything that I put out, but you also get top tier priority for barrel picks when they come out. You also get the opportunity to join me on a barrel pick. Already, we've had members of that tier down with me in Nashville for the Jack Daniels pick, helping out in the Spirits of French Lick pick, and also. Given some input on the barrel pick. So every pick from now and going forward, is going to have a Patreon member, at least one from that tier on the pick with us. As of today, there is only one spot remaining in that $25 tier. So if you've been holding out, if you're pushing it off for any reason, I'd say jump on it because this spot is probably going to go quickly. With that, I'll say, you know, of course, if the $25 is out of your range right now, we still want you to be a supporter. We still want you to be involved. The next tier down, $5 a month is going to get you that second access to all barrel picks. I can't speak for the $25 tier, but pretty sure there'll still be some barrels and bottles available for you at the $5 a month tier. That just really helps us grow, covers expenses, and keeps the podcast going with these awesome guests that we've got. All right. I have talked for almost three minutes. That is a ton of time. I am sorry for that. But with that, that's all the updates for this month. I'll keep you updated as they go along. Now, here's a new episode of the Whiskering podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Whisker Ring podcast. Today, we are going to the far north of Scotland, still on the mainland, but the far north of Scotland. And I am thrilled to welcome on Mark Westmoreland from Wolfburn
1: Distillery. Mark, welcome. Hi, David. Thanks for the invite. Looking forward
0: to it, sir. Absolutely. So just to say it up front, uh, Wolfburn is distributed in the U.S. by one of my sponsors, Impex Beverages, and that is how we got in touch. But as always, you know this podcast, this will be no fluff, please. This will be just like any other podcast episode from me. Uh, We're going to get into the nitty gritty and really dig into this northernmost distillery. Um, Do you still have that title, by the way? Has anyone superseded? Um,
1: Well, what we like to say now, Thurzal is still the most northerly town on the British mainland, but Eight Doors Distillery has opened, and they went on Spirit last year. So that's just outside John O'Groats. So, like, I, I describe it as like when we took the Baton from Old Pulteney. They used to be the most northerly, and when we came on Spirit in 2013... We took the baton from Old Pulteney, and we've just passed that baton on to Eight Doors as the most northerly. Now, it's it's a it's a nice sort of magnifier for a, a search on Google Maps where we are. That you've got so many distilleries now, but that north unique spirit, hopefully, um, that we produce, they'll endeavour to produce as well. But we are Wolfburn. We don't concentrate on anybody else. We just focus on what we do. Fair enough.
0: All right, so with that, let's get into it. Uh, let's go into the history of Wolfburn Distillery all the way back to
1: 1821. Yeah, um, original distillery, uh, 1821, lasted probably 40 or 50 years. Uh, we do have some records of sort of voters' role, which will give us who the stillman was or the warehouseman was. And we know in 1825, Wolfburn was the largest producer of whiskey in the area of Cape Ness. It was producing about 125,000 metres. Um, our owners had an interest in the old closed distilleries of Caithness. Andrew, one of our owners, uh, grew up in Wick, so he had some uh, friends and people he knew that worked at Old Pulteney. And I think from that sort of early age, he started looking at like the old distilleries, and that snowballs. The extra Marines, our owners, they had a business opportunity which they sold, and then they were sitting one day just deciding what to do, and Andrew said to Harry, do you fancy building a whiskey distillery? And Harry went, what do we know about building whiskey distilleries? That's what Google's for. So they basically just sat and searched and then phoned around and... Uh, got some well-kent faces in the Scotch whisky industry at the end of the phone and started asking some questions. The good news, they both actually trudged over the moors in Thurso to see where the old distillery was. Unfortunately, there's nothing left, just the old sort of firm foundation stones. Cape Ness was world renowned and still is for its quality of stone from the quarries as well. So they knew where the old Wolfburn was, and luckily for them, the water source, the Wolf Burn, the Wolf Spring, still runs. And there was a new industrial estate getting built. And there was two plots of land available just at the back of the Wolf Burn, So they snapped them up. And then they approached Forsyth's of Rothschild, the famous stillmakers. Richard Forsyth had just taken over the company from his father. He wanted to put his own stamp on the company, I suppose, for the want of a better word. And in conjunction with Richard, Richard had a set of stills that he had always wanted to make, a wash still and a spirit still. And our team, our first distiller came up from Glenn Farkless, Shane Fraser. In conjunction, sitting down, Shane was given two tasks. Make a spirit of your own choosing. Make a spirit that we can sell relatively young as well. Because we do not do gin. We don't do vodka. We don't do rum. We're a whiskey distillery. The clue's in the title. We make whiskey. We're traditional whiskey makers. Um, and when Shane looked at the stills that Richard had always dreamed of making, he says, yeah, I'll be able to use them to make the spirit. Distillery was built. Two thousand end of summer 2012 to winter 2012 and we first went on spirit on the 25th of January 2013 that's when we first filled our casks after all the experimentation in the, 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 the mash ton weights and the fermentation times and the, um, the, the distillation was done so the 25th of January 2013 some 10 years ago which is a, a huge milestone for any distillery 10 years old, you've got to celebrate that. Uh, and here we are today. So yeah, a brief, a brief history, a very, very brief history, but from the old to the now reawakened name, the Wolfburn Distillery uh, in Furzo. A special place for me. I was born and bred in Furzo, spent my formative years there. Used to pick mushrooms in the field where the distillery now is with my dad, and it just conjures up so many great memories of my childhood as well. So as a global brand ambassador for the, the firm, if I can't be passionate about my area, my distillery, my memories, nobody can. So this is this is why I love doing things like this and speaking to yourself tonight, David. And
0: it just brought up a thought too. I mean, it, the original distillery, it's one that is it operated for, we think around between 30 to 50 years, something like that and then for one reason or another went out of business, or stopped producing. Yeah. Having been born and bred in the area, and grown up in the area, were there any uh, like local stories or histories kept about the distillery, or was it kind of uh, low-key as part yeah, of the history?
1: Um, going, going way back when, um, I suppose there would have been at the time a huge buzz about the town and the, the distilleries, and the the fact that it was the largest producer, but um, going on some sort of 150 years when I was born, um, no no pictures, no bottles, no recipes, not even any of the, the buildings were still there. And um, again, just ruins, but not even just ruins, just the old foundations, you know, just the old sort of big flagstones. And um, Like anything in the North, because we're so remote, when something decides to cease operation, it just it, it just doesn't sit there. You know, it's repurposed. All the all the stone would have been taken away. It'd been used in something else. The flagstones would have been either used for field um, division or they would have been used for some pavements or even roofs. The flagstones in Caithness are, are very hard wearing. And um, the machinery would have been probably sold and or auctioned off. But yeah. I think that lends itself to some of the mystery and some of the legend and the history about the distillery that there isn't anything that we can definitely put our finger on to say this is what's happened so there's maybe a lot of conjecture and a lot of rumour and a lot of well maybe this happened or maybe that happened or you know so I think it adds to the, the the mystery itself of the original distillery and hopefully that that mystery we can continue with with our own spirit because you don't want to you don't want to reveal everything. You know, it's not like the Wizard of Olives. You don't want to see behind the curtain all the time. You know, you want to you want to have like I still get excited for new releases. Sometimes I just don't want to know what's coming out. I know it sounds crazy, but I like to be that kid in the sweet shop as well. When I get that bottle, when I open that bottle, when I taste that bottle without any previous knowledge or any involvement in that in that uh, that whiskey expression. Um and it keeps it interesting, it keeps it you know, it keeps me motivated as well that I don't have to know everything about the story. And hopefully the questions that you'll have tonight I'll be able to answer. But if if you ask me something that I'm not supremely confident on um we've got the bosses on whatsapp and the distillery manager on whatsapp so you never know during the conversation i might get a, a might get a response or the or the right reply you just you just never know
0: fair enough so before we go into the uh distillery as it stands now um you've spoken about your own history on um a couple of other podcasts so rather than ask you your own your journey and you also we just uh, spoke about it before air um Rather than asking you for you know your whole history to where you are now, I wanted to actually ask you about a question you answered on uh, Inside Whiskey. This was probably about two, maybe three years ago. Okay. Um, I live Inside Whiskey. They're always a source of research for me when I'm doing these interviews. And uh, they like to end with you know quick questions. One of them being, if you could be anyone else in the whiskey world, who would you be? Um, and do you remember your answer?
1: Uh no I don't I'll be honest with you I don't if it was a quick question that would have came out in my head at the time and then it probably would a uh, a memory that escaped that I've never managed to catch again so please re- please refresh my memory
0: sure so you chose Jim Swan
1: ah, okay and so
0: I wanted to ask you about this because I'm I'm a huge fan of his as well of course he has since passed um I think at that point he had passed as well uh, yeah. So, but I'm a huge fan of his projects and the ones that live on under his name. But I'm curious
1: why um why he was your choice. Um see, to be honest with you, it, it's probably nothing to do with projects, it's nothing to do with design, it's nothing to do with what you know, what he wrote. And it's it's when you speak to people and you speak to people that knew him. I never knew him, I I've never met him but when you speak to to well again well kent faces or well kent people in the, the whiskey industry the the love and the the resonance that they hold him and it's it, it's it's like you know as as a people person for me it, it's like when when somebody does their work or they do their job to the best of their ability but they do it in a way that people can respond and people can relate and people can warm to that person. You know, you don't have to be hiring and firing and living in an ivory tower and keeping people away from you to be the best. You know, I I think think Jim, when you speak to people, was down to earth. He was honest. He was um, helpful. He would bend over backwards to try and steer people in the right direction. And I just love that about people. I just love the fact that you can be remembered in that way, as well as the, the, the huge projects and the, the the huge help that you have been for the industry. And um, so, yeah, I think that's probably why I chose Jim.
0: All makes sense. I agree. I've, I've spoken to many, uh, distilleries that he either had a hand in or were influenced by him and, uh, all had nothing but positive things to say. He was, he took an interest in the locality in particular, you know, like working on everything from MH to Cavalon to yeah. um, Lakes, you know, or, and Pandare And All these are completely different places, but he seemed to take a special interest in imbuing the product with some element of that place. And, and just you what know, a mind, too.
1: So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's probably, you know, that's testament to his his vision and his his passion as well. That he looks at the location at various distilleries and decides, well, you know, you you're in these unique locations. You want to make a a unique whiskey for your for your location, and I'll help you do that. You know, and that's that's a, a really nice way for you know for us when we're in the, the far north of Scotland. You know, you don't just fall out of edinburgh glasgow and you come across wolfburn distillery you know you've got to take planes, trains, trains or automobiles you know and, and it's about a five six hour drive from the central belt of scotland so um we want our unique area to create a uniqueness in our spirit as well Um, and i always say to people make the effort to come and see us you know make the pilgrimage you shall be rewarded yes
0: i've heard you like um you you personally may not have control over this necessarily, but I know you like um when you have distillery only releases because it is like that little reward at the end of the trip for people it is. it's
1: like the the gold at the end of the rainbow, I suppose when you're when you're searching mm-hmm. um we we did quite a lot of distillery releases um in the early stages so sort of 18 nineteen we've now, we've now sort of turned away from doing sort of spring, summer, autumn releases to having a handful uh, on site um, usually, uh, depending on what's available. So yeah, again, it's always nice to visit a distillery and come away with something that's truly unique that nobody else can get unless they've actually made the effort to come see it. You know, it's it's a wee reward. Um, It's a single cask and it's something to... treasure but it's something in my opinion to to drink and to savour and to share because we make whiskey in a bottle with a hole in the top for a reason, we want folk to drink it rather than just stick it on the shelf and look at it It's I couldn't do that it'd be like the Alice in Wonderland bottle you know with a wee tag on it saying please drink me, Uh, please drink responsibly, yes of course but uh, coming away from a distillery with a distillery own bottle um, something unique and Create a memory. You know, crack it open. Invite your friends round. Save it for a wedding or something. But you know, this is the glue that'll bind people together. And when you're drinking the whiskey, you'll 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 remember the people you were with, the, the area you were at, the, the the thing you were celebrating, or if if you weren't celebrating anything, the dram that you were pouring as well. Um. So yeah, yeah, it's nice, nice to do something to reward people that come and visit us. Fantastic, and uh,
0: I do want to point out too. You've called uh, the distillery at some time the uh, one of the ugliest distilleries <laughs> in there, but yeah. it seems though you've got you know there there are plenty of distilleries in Scotland that don't have any visitor allowances, but it yeah. sounds like you've been able to, uh, and Wolfburn has been able to straddle that difference between being a production facility. First and foremost, but also having some space for visitors to see what's going on and and have that hands-on experience.
1: Yeah, um, our bosses will always say making whiskey is the priority. Nothing nothing should come and and really um, take away that that intense effort that's that we make uh, on site to produce the whiskey. We don't have a fancy visitor center. We don't have a coffee shop or a restaurant. Um, when you mentioned the most ugliest or one of the ugliest distilleries from the outside, before we had a sign and before we had a statue, before we had signs at the bottom of the road, because it's an industrial estate, people were, they were, they were driving around knowing there was a distillery somewhere, but they never used to be able to find us because from the outside, it probably has been described as a cow shed or a, a storage warehouse. And I, you know, I always laugh and joke when I, when I use the, the reference at some of the the shows and festivals that I do, it's like people, I don't care what you look like. As soon as you open the door at Wolfburn, you're in, you're into the beating heart, you know, and that's where the magic happens. doesn't care what you look like, but if you've got a good soul and you've got good purpose, then you're friends of ours.
0: Love it. Love it. All right. So with that, let's get right into the distillery. Uh, So first off, let's go back to the fact that didn't produce any vodka, or gin, no clear spirits It waited until the whiskey was ready. Yeah. So, uh, I've, you know, more and more distilleries are taking that route. Now it's risky of course, but it's being done. Um, the question then becomes, you know, how, how did Wolfburn and its founders, you know, secure, let's say enough capital that they were able to not only build and build how they wanted but also hold off without any revenue for three years after laying down the first spirit?
1: Yeah. Uh, great question. Um, with regards to risk, you know, we've got a huge sign in the distillery when you come in it sits above our old Capardonis washbacks and it says fortune favors the brave. So without risk, there isn't reward. Now our owners were very successful business men. Uh, after they left, they Royal all Marines. They had various business interests and they came to a point that they managed to sell one of their their businesses, and they were looking at the next challenge. Um, four to five million in your back pocket to to build startup costs, and yes, three re- three years with no revenue coming in. So, hence the reason why the two tasks were for our first distiller, Shane. Um, build um build the spirit. Of your own choosing but let's have it relatively young so we can sell so that's why we we aim for the, the quarter cask uh, maturations as well and um, ex isla quarter casks smaller the cask faster the maturation more intense maturation X isla just giving it a wee edge as well just a little bit of um, smokiness to it um, and that was our first release in 2016 so just just over three years since our first ever um, cask was filled on the 25th of January. And yet, um going into the finances, way above my pay grade, unfortunately. But I'm speaking to the bosses, it was, as we say in Scotland, squeaky bum time. You know, it was fingers crossed and let's see what happens. Because yes, your the whisky industry is about repetition and process, but without without you know, the, the the prior knowledge, what the spirit's going to taste like. It's just wait and see. And that's, you know, that's the that's the risk. But that's also the huge joy when you're making whiskey, you know, because you don't know exactly what the spirit will taste like when you pop that bun and you decide to dip the cot of dog and you take a, a, a dram out of it in the warehouse. And that's, yeah, that's the skill of the, and the distillers and the, the wants of the owners when things are going to be ready for bottling, and because we store everything on site, traditional dunnage warehouses, casks go in and they they barely move. You know they don't we don't swap them about no more than three casks high, mm-hmm. and, and we hand bottle. we're we're hand bottling all our whiskey on site. So it means that we have again that supreme control over the process. Nobody else can come in and do part of the business or we have to like tanker our spirit somewhere else or we have to rely on a bottling hall. We do everything ourselves because then we can keep the standards very, very high and we can keep our, we can keep, we can keep our head and our chest out because we're doing everything as proud as we can for the, for the brand and for the whiskey, you know, like probably described the whiskey as our children before and we like to nurture and grow and protect and then we like to send it out to the world for for everybody's amazement and joy. But uh, yeah, big big risk for the, the owners. Um ten years on the risk is still there. You know the 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 risks now rather than just a startup you've got uh, risks of material um you know we were paying five hundred pound a ton we're now paying over a thousand pound a ton you know um oil for the boiler just different costs or maltings different costs but yeah it's it's a challenge and we always say it Wolfburn, burn yes fortune favors the brave but we also we've also got a saying that if some if some problem is presented to us, adapt and overcome. You know, because we're a small company, we can turn very very quickly. We're not like that big super tanker taking miles to stop. You know, we just put a hand on the tiller and twist it, and we go off in a different direction. You know, that's that's the great thing about the company. There's only eighteen people in the entire company, and that includes our owners, our uh, our brands manager, our accountant, spoke at the distillery, our admin staff, our tour, ta- our tour staff, our director, uh, and me, you know, lowest than a snake's belly in a wagon rut, I've described myself as. But I get the best job. I get to do these things. I get to go around the world and speak about the distillery and bring joy to people when I when I pull a bottle of whiskey out of my, my pocket. Before my previous job as a police officer, people used to shout and swear at me. Now I go into situations with whiskey under my arm, they shout and cheer and clap and the smiles are abundant. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good kudos. And
0: In in looking at the lineup that you have and getting to taste it, so I got to taste the full uh, core lineup plus a small batch and uh, let's see, small batch and one other. And in doing so, of course, got would small and they all were quite different. We'd be posting tasting notes for them. Um, but it, it was very obvious, number one, that Thurso, to me, it seemed like it had more in common in certain ways with the Orkney Islands than the rest of mainland Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't help think back to one of my very first episodes with um, Highland Park where they were talking about how Orkney was it was Nordic, it was Viking, it was not um Angli Angli no, what's the right word? Well, it, it was different heritage, let's say, yeah, um, than the rest of, of Scotland and, and England. And with that, you know, it was it's at the far north, it's formerly under Norse Arcadian rule, and yeah, it's this major stopping point. Um for Scandinavia, the Northern Isles and those going west. So, you know, so you incorporate Viking themes into your bottlings, into the mythology around the brand. Um, besides the, besides what the consumer sees, like the names on yeah. the bottles and things like that, um, is there, are there other aspects of that, 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 history that go into the kind of ethos and process of wolfburn
1: yeah i would i would say that we're 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 guided you know we're guided by our history our heritage our 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 community and you know you mentioned highland park there and as i said earlier on we concentrate on what we do how we do it like burzo thor's town um, a, a great viking Settlement, uh, way back when, we we'll dip into that and we'll 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 take references. Like even even when I grew up, the the, the street names that were around about me, you know, Sven Road, Olaf, Sigard, Thorfinn, thorkel You know, it was all sort of based on uh, some of the great Viking stories and sagas. Wolfburn, you know, we've done one expression in our core expression called Langskip, the long ship. And we wanted something that would relate to something that we felt was quite powerful and quite um quite sturdy, as we say in Scotland. and um, so the Langskip name for our 58% uh, ex-bourbon cask whiskey seemed fitting and proper that we called it that we, we we have we have done a a kilver series um we got asked in 2016. So just when we had started production um on our Northland and Aurora, that came out in 2016. They were our first two commercial releases. The local Caithness Viking Festival organizers asked us if we could do a special bottling for the Caithness Viking Festival. Now, rather than just do a, a one-off bottling, um Wolfburn sat back and thought, this is an opportunity for us. We could we could actually put a statement of intent out. And what we did, there was a Kilver stone, and it's called the Kilver stone, found on the Kilver farm in Gotland in 1903 um, in Sweden. It flipped over and you saw the, the full rune alphabet um, and then a magical symbol that was protecting the person buried under so rather than do just one bottling we decided to use this Viking alphabet as a series of bottlings to do and we did the first one for the Kefnes Viking Festival in 2016. We are now up to edition number 11. We've just released ISA, I-S-A which means like hail or ice. Um, every rune has a different meaning as well and we've got 13 expressions to go. Now, for us, uh, just over three years old, to stand there and go, we're going to do a 24 series whiskey." what we're like, don't be silly, don't be stupid. You know, you're only three years old, and we were like, to hell with everybody else, this is what we think, this is what we should do, let's go and do it. And it's and we, we, we've continued to do that to great success. So, the Viking spirit, the, the warrior spirit, you know, when you talk about our owners, and you talk about how we deal and um, you know, the, the distilleries probably run like a military operation. You know, everybody knows their place, everybody has their specialities, and um, some people are better at other things, but that's what a team does. You know, you bring your experience together for the for the benefit of the team. Um and our history and our heritage and our knowledge of the past is useful to. To focus on our future as well. So I don't know if I've answered that, David, but I've certainly sure. given it a good try.
0: I think I think you did, and it you know the, the Kilver series is one of my uh, last questions on on my outlines. Yeah, but okay. I'll I'll jump there just for a second. I, I wanted to note that you were about halfway there. You've just got to edition eleven. Uh, without necessarily going into each one of them, what makes each of these rele- releases special or or different from your core range?
1: We we try and we try and source the best casks of the of the year. Now sometimes we're lucky because we have an abundance of great casks. Um, and in the past I think we have done two releases for calendar year um, or over over a 12-month period. Um but again, what we want, we've got our core expressions, which are the backbone of the brand. You know, like any business, you want that as your firm foundation. The kilver for us has to be something just that wee bit special, a wee bit more unique. Um, and it's down, it, and it is basically down to us sourcing casks from the warehouse to to create something that wee bit unusual that hasn't been done before, or doing something. And supercharging it, or you know, injecting it with some more passion and 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 flavour. Um, so we've got to choose the best casks, usually per year. And the Kilver series at the moment, probably you know, the last one sold out within the hour, and we we sell direct from the distillery. And it happens, it happens like that. Nearly every release now, and um, our servers crashed a couple of releases ago. We had to get NASA service servers just about to cope with the demand because we let people know when things are being released and then everybody just bombards the site we even had a we even had like a queuing system that you you basically be able to take a ticket and you are position 60 in the queue and it gave you like well you'll have to wait 30 minutes then you've got 15 minutes when you get to the shop and then you'll be able to purchase so that's all changed and um, again, as a business, you have to evolve. You have to look at what works, what doesn't work. You have to listen to your consumer base as well. the The annoyance that some people couldn't get on the site or the the worry that they were going to miss out, especially because they've been collecting the Kilver um, from day one, uh, way back in two thousand and sixteen as well. And that's that's important for us, and that's a that's a very important part of my job as well because. I get to see the, the front face in public. I get to yes, listen to their accolades about the whiskey, but listen to their their gripes and groans sometimes about Wolfburn as a process or as a distillery. And I feed that back direct to the owners as well, because you're you're not gonna be able to placate everybody. But the great thing about what we're trying to do at Wolfburn is traditional whiskey makers, we want to cast our net very wide to capture the majority of the whiskey drinking public. So we're not going to be coming out with weird and wonderful wacky expressions. We want we want people to come to the brand because we focus on our, our quality of our taste and flavor and our maturation and our, our Wolfburn essence, our Wolfburn DNA, which is quite fruity, quite floral, quite light, and quite vibrant. And we want that DNA to go through everything that we produce. And as you mentioned, the the, the remoteness and the uniqueness of the, the North Highlands, we want, we want that to be an accolade, and we want that to be a bonus, and we want that to drive people to the brand because of the uniqueness of the spirit, of the characteristic as well.
0: I think that leads perfectly into the uh, next question I have, which is Wolfburn sits on the largest expanse of blanket peat bog in definitely in Europe and perhaps the world. When you start talking about that locality and the elements of the place and the history, uh, I'm curious what what being on a directly on a peat bog, means for you know the it means for the water sources the uh the locality the regionality like what kind of flavors or or other elements does it impart being directly on that peat versus you know having peat nearby and bringing it in
1: yeah um it's a, as a unique environment and um, right, you rightly say it's Europe's largest peat bog we're trying to get world UNESCO heritage status we missed out on it this year and um, just over the last few months, but we can reapply, I think, um, as as a community. Um, and it's flat. The the Caithness landscape is very bleak. It's you know the wind howls. The trees grow at a forty five degree angle because the the wind just rattles across the countryside as well. And not only does it do that, but the the Pentland Firth, so the 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 water between the north of Scotland and the Orkney Islands, you know, one of the most treacherous parts of um, the UK because of the, the, the two seas from either side, the east and the west sort of meeting. That's why Orkney and that's why the north, uh, Thurzell especially, was used as the Viking safe haven because they needed safe harbours because of the, the trials and tribulations. Going back to the the the, the peat bog, um. Yeah, um, it's people will ask about the water and people will ask, because, you know, remember I said about the Caithness stone, the quarries and the, the stone quality um, round about Caithness is, is is absolutely superb. So you've got great water, boggy water, and you've got great boggy water going through great stone, and, you know, it's travelling around the countryside in that respect. Um a funny story. One of the one of the Versailles lads that came up to work on the distillery had asked one of our owners if you know what was the water test like. And he uh, was met by, "What do you mean? Ah, oh, the test you do for making good whiskey? Ah, we've not done one. No, we've not done one yet. Um, don't know if we're going to do one. Said, but you're building a distillery. You're spending all this money, and you've not even tested your water yet. The guy came back when the Con- uh, the stills were being commissioned and we got a wee bit of new make spirit direct from the still safe and he looked at it, smelled it, drank it put it down, shook his head picked the glass up again nosed it again, tasted it again and and basically turned to the owner and said for somebody that's not tested the water building a whiskey distillery they've you've actually hit the jackpot I've built whiskey distilleries for a living and this is one of the best new makes that I've tasted so you know that's if you know if you're looking for proud moments and 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 sort of standing tall and big for for one of our owners that was a, a a huge um a huge compliment and a huge accolade and probably a huge um some faith in his business acumen his his faith in his business that we were going to build we were going to build rope burn Distillery, we were going to use the same water source. Um, I got asked in a tasting in New Zealand this year, um, what was the water source? Because, And I said, well, it's a natural spring that rises, falls down the moors, there's so many different layers of maybe peat and stone. And, and the guy says, well, I'm a geologist and I get a really rich sort of mineral quality from the whiskey as well and it is a very mineral rich um water source even our you know even our filters at a time we we couldn't understand why our filters were um really orangey and like cloggy It's probably it's not the uh, the technical term but it was like a it was like a really sort of orangey sludge coming through the the, the filters and again it's just the the the, the quality and the 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 type of the water that we have that we're bringing we're bringing into the distillery Um, the great news is we've we've got an old cappardonic washback fifty-seven thousand liters which we use for our spring water tank so we take that direct from the, the wolf and the other spring water tanks are effluent tank our waste tank we t- tend not to get them mixed up for obvious reasons but uh, we've got the wolf at the back of us which is a godsend but when the weather is like it is in scotland at the moment the sun is splitting the skies a couple of years ago the wolf burn dried up really to a trickle and we had to do our summer maintenance program that wee bit earlier because we didn't you know somebody says "Oh, just turn the tap on you know that's not what we do you know we're traditional whiskey makers you know you have to deal with events that happen and as i said earlier on adapt and overcome okay the rain isn't forecast, we're not going to get whiskey, the, the spring is, is trickling. Let's do our summer shutdown. Let's do our maintenance program earlier. And then when it does rain, we'll get back on to spirit. And that's exactly what we did. So again, adapted to overcome.
0: With the with the water source being so, so one, such a source of pride, but also uh uniquely minerally and uh, with with so much character to it, do you uh, filter it at all before you know adding it to the whiskey? Either before, yeah, or... it
1: comes it comes yeah. in filtered. Yeah, we, we we filter it into the distillery. You know, heaven forbid, there's going to be some some things in there that we don't want to see floating around in the mash tun or um, mm-hmm. or in our distillation or heaven forbid somebody finding a. A creepy crawly in one of the bottles, but uh, yeah, um, again, we're we're probably um, we're at the mercy of um, sort of the, the food and beverage production laws and regulations and filtration and um, ticking boxes for Scottish water and doing everything that we have to do, but because we're we're filtering it, it doesn't mean that we're losing any of the the, the, the goodness, I would say. I'm, I'm no scientist, but without a, a great water source, yes, it's it's one of the parts of the process. Um but yeah, let's do it in a way that it can be sustainable as well. And and that's you know, that can be a that can be a worry sometimes because um a lot of people look at distilleries and the first thing that they look at is their you know their environmental footprint as well. They're you know, do they want to associate with a distillery that that tries to do the best for the environment, for the location, for the community? Um, and we are certainly trying to do that with things that we do and things that we have to replace. We'll always look at is there a greener way, is there a it's maybe not a cheap, it's it's never the cheaper way, I know that. Um, but again, for for business continuity and sustainability and um, it's a very very it's a very hard decision sometimes which way we decide to go but we're always looking at um that reason you know that that eco that environmental footprint as well Let, let's let's be aware of it and let's try and do things in a way that we're not gonna just take 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 you know there's there has to be some give back
0: so just digging, a, uh, just clarifying a little bit on on that. So definitely understand the filtration for, as you put it, creepy crawlies for sure. Don't want that in my bottle um, and things like that. But uh, when it comes time to do things like like proofing down or you um, reverse osmosis it or basically does it comes down to are you completely neutralizing the water or is it still retaining some of that character
1: at the very end? Um, again, probably right above my pay grade. Um, what we what we want is we want, and like what I've been told, we want to use the water for not just production, but you know, for for cooling. For you know, sure. we, we use you know we recycle the you know the, um, the the hot aspect of it as well. So we're reducing our 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 bills, our 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 sort of boiler. Uh, cost as well, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's probably a question that I can't, you know, if if I if I told you a cup out of the Wolfburn water and then a cup out of the water we use at the distillery, what is the difference? I, I probably, you know, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, taste wise, um, I've tasted water from the Wolfburn. I've tasted water from the distillery and. For me, there isn't any difference in taste and flavour as well, um, you know, and that's, I suppose, that's maybe testament to to why our our, our whisky has that that character and uniqueness. Then, because we're, you know, if you find something that's unique and you find something that's different, you don't want to strip it bare. You don't want to to ruin that. Yes, you'll have to filter it and do what you have to do for the laws and regulations, but. You want you want to retain the um the, the, the basic the basic block because that's what's going to start the, the production so yeah good question though david good question i like that you're poking the beast i like that hey, i i
0: gotta <laughs> know what can i say wolfburn distillery captures the spirit of scotland's far north as the northernmost distillery on the scottish mainland Wolfburn ties together long fermentation, slow distillation, and seaside maturation for unique and superb character. Originally founded in 1821, this exceptional distillery was restored in 2012 to its original greatness, resurrecting a 200-year-old distillery on the largest blanket peat bog in all of Europe. Whether you're drinking Northland, Wolfburn's first expression, aged in American oak quarter casks, Aurora, a beautiful sherried whiskey laid down in a combination of bourbon and Oloroso sherry casks, Morvern, their lightly pita variety, or Langskip, their cast strength release. There's a Wolfburn for everyone. Arriving to the States later this year is their first permanent age stated release, the 10 year old. You can also find small batch releases and limited edition bottlings at specialty retailers across the US. Reach out to our friends at Impex Beverages for more information on where to find your favorite expression. Wolfburn Distillery, fortune favors the brave. So, you know, with that, let's let's jump into the production process. And um, before I ask the next question, I do want to point out that on the Wolfburn website, you guys have a fantastic infographic on every step and number of the of the process, from from milling all the way down to barreling. And uh, I would definitely encourage people to, to look at that. I'll include a link to it uh, in the show notes as well because it's just, it really does cover everything. Um, and if you've wondered in a whiskey process what something is called or what one part of the process is called, you'll probably figure it out from this uh, infographic. Uh, now, so with that said, I'm gonna skip over a couple of pieces just because that information is there. But um, the first one I have to ask is, one of Wolfburn's mottos, if you will, is low and slow. So slow slow fermentation and distillation, quality over speed. So on a practical level, what does that mean for the process?
1: Yeah, um, again, when when you're, you're trying to create a unique spirit, you know, there's there's various ways to go about it. Now, it's not the cheapest, having quite a long fermentation time because we're not controlled by accountants, thankfully, the bean counters, they're not just saying, right, that's it, it's it's hit so many hours, let's get it to the next stage. Let's keep the production moving. So depending on what day the the mash is done, you know, sometimes it's over 90 hours, sometimes it's over 70 hours, the, the maturation as well. Uh, sorry, the, the fermentation. Um, long, long fermentation, hand-pitched anchor yeast in as well, five kilograms pitched in. Um, You know, long, with longer fermentation, you're wanting those, so you're wanting the, the yeasty beastie to do the work, you know, consume the sugars, make the alcohol, get it, you know, um get get as much yield out of the beast as possible Um it, it's great for business but you know you want we're wanting our you know that lovely sort of fruity ester to it you know longer fermentation adds to that um the, the gentle like low and slow the, the gentle distillation as well the the way you know you, you look at the stills and you, you've seen the design of the stills as well, especially in our pot still. You know we've got a huge, big, extra onion, big bulbous, uh, a lot of copper contact, um, slightly, um, slightly downward line arms. Um, the stills aren't huge. They're at the moment we're doing six or eight mashes a week. We've probably got capacity to do without any equipment changes about one hundred and sixty thousand liters, but. The guys that are on the guys and girls that are on the stills, um, you know, they've got lives as well. We don't run the stills 24 seven, You know, Monday to Friday, weekends off, two shifts. Um, and, you know, low and slow or unhurried is probably another uh, another sort of reference that we use. In the North, we're, we're very laid back. We're, if we can't get it done, Let's not lose any sleep over it. Let's just get it up and running tomorrow and let's make the most of it. If we have to put in a hard shift or work an extra day or whatever, let's let's do that. And even at the moment, you know, I said we could produce 160,000 litres without any additional equipment. We're probably still only doing what the original Wolfburn Distillery did in 1825, 125,000 litres. Because we store everything on site. And if you store everything on site, you've got warehouse costs. And pardon the pun, but warehouse building, the costs are through the roof. They really are. And we've got we've just built our fifth warehouse uh, this year on site. And we've extended warehouses one and two. Um, I may be going off just a wee bit off topic. Uh, I'll apologize. Oh, that's fine. Um, but even when we look at our production, when you're creating loads of spirit you need loads of warehouse space so we don't have any plans to increase our production because for us it's about the confidence and security of supply across the world and we seem to be doing that and nobody seems to be ordering and having to wait, or nobody seems to be running out you know the demand is there it works and again that's a, a headache it's always a thought you know when the Wolfburn name gets more recognised, and I'm at the front of crowds firing Wolfburn t-shirts from a t-shirt cannon. That's never going to happen. You know, right, we don't need any smoke and mirrors like that. The quality of our spirit will will sell our spirit. My job's just getting it to the lips. Um, but we're going to move off our, like our dry storage, like our bottles, our, our cardboard, our packaging, our quarks, our labels. That'll go off site to a a different part of the industrial estate but that'll free up maybe another half a warehouse for maturation which is great for us because again traditional dunnage warehouses and folk will say why not palletize your whiskey but we're traditional whiskey makers you know we want the outside environment to to circulate at a, a decent temperature rather than the highs and the lows of the the casks in the warehouse um the sea air that comes billowing in off the the pentland firth you know that rattles across the countryside as well so again you're wanting that uniqueness of our environment you know surrounded by farmers fields and the gorse and heather you know you you want all that to have uh, an impact on your maturation as as it slices through the warehouse as well so yeah low and slow um good gentle distillation Decent amount of fermentation, and just creating a beautiful sort of lovely sort of tropical fruit flavored spirit. In my opinion, I sometimes describe it as like a can of pineapples. You open it, you take the pineapple rings out, and then you slurp the the sugary uh the, the sugary liquid from the tin. I I get that from our new make spirit. That's just I get like a banana or a pineapple uh, tropical fruit flavor from it, um, and I love it. And we've done we've recently I'm just back from Germany and we've done some tour bottlings in rum casks, full maturation in rum casks. And it's a beautiful it's a beautiful marriage of our our new make spirit in, in rum casks as well. and um, but yeah, sorry, I went off a wee bit I went off a wee bit topic there, David. But it's sometimes it's quite hard to stop me. You've just got to steer me in the right direction.
0: No, I, I like letting my guests talk because that that's how the most interesting parts come about. Is it's not my questions, it's where they lead to so just to paint a picture for um for those who are, are listening right now before they go to the infographic is so as you said you've got two stills um they're they're not small i would say they're kind of a medium-sized still the wash stills 5500 liters yeah um the spirit still so the second still is 3600 liters and fired by uh coils yeah. inside or warmed i should say by Coils inside steam coils, uh, which you can, as you said, you can do those more at a more controlled level at a slower, lower heat than let's say a direct fire.
1: Yeah. And the, the, the guys that are on the stills, you know, and the great thing is our sort of production operatives, they're on them. They're a mash they're on, they're in the, the warehouse. They're, they're on the stills. They've got every part of the business. It's not just a stillman. It's not just a warehouseman. It's not just a, you know, a mashman. You know, they're doing every part of the, the business and the, you know, the inspection windows and the, in the stills. You know, they're they're always watching. They're always listening. You know, just to see the the, the um, of the, the bubbling or the, how fast or how big and you know it it's manual turn down on on the heat for the for the stills. You know it's it's not computer control. That's it's all done by by knowledge it's done by training it's done with a, a guided arm and a, and a under a watchful eye as well because the guys that are getting trained guys and girls sorry guys is just a generic term that i use apologies but the folk that are getting trained at the distillery and um, they're they're seeing all aspects and which is great because then they have an understanding of the whole process and and what it takes to to create a, a great spirit. So when they leave, or they're they're suitably trained, you know any distillery across the world would snap them up. They really would because they're they have the knowledge and they have the confidence and they have the maturity that they've been at a, a small independent distillery, but they've had their hands on all the parts of the process. It's like you know, it's like a somebody building a muscle car, you know, they, from start to finish, they, they know everything about the car that we're driving, not just a wheel specialist, not just a brake specialist, not just a, an engine specialist, you know, it's the whole the whole rigmarole of from start to finish, the production, and how it should be done, and what, what the result is, and how to get the best results as well, so yeah. All credit to them. They get they do the hard yards. Right? I'm just the jazz hands at the front.
0: Well, as I was uh, tasting through these, I have a weird obsession with knowing about the barley. And uh, I don't know why. It's just one of those things that I latch on to, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. And um, certainly in, in tasting the whiskeys, to me at least, in... In the vast majority of Scottish, of Scotch whiskey, let's say, and this is a huge overgeneralization, but, you know, go with me on this one. Um, I, I tend to get the barley notes that are, um, you know, lemony, citrusy, some cereal notes on there, but um, generally pretty light. you get a maltiness in the back, a little bit of darkness there. yeah. Uh, and when I was tasting the Wolfburn, releases to me i got a different barley profile okay. and it wasn't wasn't strictly from you know because of uh the peat or anything like where the peat casks it, it was more um a creamier barley and a creamier yeah. more vanilla forward yeah. so yeah so yeah i just love to know more about you know where you get yeah, your barley I, from and how you get i know to
1: you. i know what you're saying there about that sort of creaminess or the that sort of beautiful mouthfeel that you get yeah. Um, with our with our whiskies. And you know, mouthfeel is important sometimes as is, is taste and flavor, what it does, what, what experience it is in your mouth and, and how it attacks or how it lulls your your senses into in that um, into that taste and flavor. But yeah, we don't do our own mottlings on site. So we're not like any other not like from like maybe you know some of the other distilleries that, that do. But our we, we, we tend to sort of spread the love for the maltings, so uh, Malt in Bucky, um, fine Speyside producer, we take a lot of their um, barley from the area that they're in, but they also, you know, they, they also import a lot of barley as well. Um, Baird, Sinverness, Muntins in North Yorkshire, you know, Muntins have got a, a, a peated facility. Um, that they only do peated uh, malt, malt, and we get we get our, our peated from there. But what we like to do, we like to spread the love because we like to, obviously as business folk, we like to get the best price. But we also want to spread our risk as well because heaven forbid something happened to one of those maltings, and we're relying on them for everything. You know, we're getting, you know, 28, 30 ton of malt delivered every month. Um, so it's a long, it's a long journey north, um, and sometimes, depending on accidents or weather, or you know, there can be some, there can be some problems in logistics for for delivery. Just like trying to get the whiskey out of uh, Thurzo. there's some sometimes logistic problems as well. But yeah, we 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 tend to concentrate on um, these maltings because they're the experts in their field. Mm. Um, what we do is we give them a, a stipulation what we want, and they provide it. Now, again, for us as a as a business, we don't have that we don't have that control because we don't do everything ourselves. But everything apart from that, we do have control over. Um, I was told by um, a distiller that the the barley in Caithness. Because of the, the soil and the, the peat can be too nitrogen rich for great whiskey production. It's still it's still good for whiskey, but but you know I was told and again, uh, not my area of expertise, but he said that you know there are there are better choices uh, um, of Farland concerta um, that we're, we're using. but the maltings themselves, we let them do their expertise and then we, we bring it in. So yeah. Um premiumness, a difference in our in our spirit from what you're used to. I'll take that. That's a good that you know, that is a good um a, a good line. You know write that down and we'll quote you on the next uh the next part of the website, David, because this is what we strive for. We want we want to have that accolade when somebody picks up a glass noses as it tastes it, we want that to wolf one mm-hmm. coming out of their lips as well because it's a unique flavor and taste of spirit. It's similar. It's it's what they expect, but it's just got that edge. It's just got that that um, that proclamation, shall we say, of we are wolf one. You know and that's what that's what we strive for.
0: I and I, I've heard you. Uh... You said in a couple of podcasts and I, I liked and in a couple of interviews i liked that line that that's the accolade that's yeah. the goal is yeah. even 10 15 years from now for people to be able to sip it and say yeah. that's wolfburn and it's pretty i think it's pretty rare at this point that you can kind of do that with a particular distillery you know uh, for instance i'm i'm trying i've been trying for months literally months just trying the what is it 10 distilleries now on isla Okay. um just going through them and trying to differentiate them by flavor yeah. Yeah. at least to a point where I can kind of guess what I'm tasting based on yeah. uh you know if it's an undisclosed independent yeah. bottling that's I like, I can figure out what I'm tasting and some I get like a bone more I get more ashy um lefroy I just don't like so I, yeah. uh, it's just it's just too much for me um log will add more smoke in the nose. so I'm trying to get to that point with that but I as I was tasting it, I did write down in my notes, as I was tasting the Wolfburn, I should say, I wrote down in my notes that there was a clear differentiator. And for me, it was the barley in particular and the malted barley flavor that came out as a differentiator. It held up through the peat, whether it was the peat cask for the Northland and uh, the Aurora yeah. or for the Morvern. And it was where think- it's where the peat is, where the, sorry, where the malt is peated itself. It's yeah. still held up through those. Yeah. Um, which is important. Uh, well, it's very well, easy well, for it to get lost.
1: Yeah. And you're right. You know, it's, it, we, we discussed that earlier on about identity, you know, once, once you have an identity, you don't want anything to overshadow or or overwhelm that as well. And I've said before, even our sort of maturation, you know, the, whether it's 60, 70% of the, the, the taste and flavour that comes from the, the maturation, you don't want that maturation to ruin our DNA, to ruin the, the essence. We want that to be, and I'll go, I'll go back to it, that proclaimed, that proclamation, we want it to be raised and we want it to be like you know, up pushed to the upper echelons because that is that is burn. That lovely, fruity, floral, white, vibrant spirit that we make which has beautiful taste and flavour in it already, we don't want the maturation to, to quell or to quench. We want it to be pushed to the to the upper echelons. We want it to be proclaimed as well. Um, and it's a skill. It's a skill that the guys have been doing for years, that the production, it's about the repetition. It's about making sure that everyone's done the same. It's about... You know, I laugh and joke with them sometimes to say, "Oh, you did that the same last week when I saw you. Or you did that the same. The Can you not do anything different?" I I do have that that sort of jovial mischief about me, but I know that it's important. It's it's uniquely important that once you get the process, you have to do everything the same to get the same beautiful new make spirit, because that is the that's the the star of the show. That's the building block that we want. Just like the, you know, we said about the war, you know, once you get the new make spirit, everything else has to, has to proclaim that. Everyone ha- everything else then has to, to, to help that, make it as best as, as we can for whiskey production. And we certainly, we certainly seem to be doing that. And comments like that, David, you know, we'll take, don't worry, you know, write it down, send it in, we'll post it, don't worry.
0: I'll hold it to do that. I've been dying to get on a whiskey website being quoted, so... Be happy to have you guys my first quote oh, man. so before we get to uh, my because I am going to definitely ask you about the the wood management okay I am going to ask you about the wood management profile but before we get there I uh, want to ask about this I think it was hinted at in another interview and um, that is this question of has the character and profile of the spirit changed from that first spirit in 2020 uh, Thirteen to today.
1: Okay. Um, personally, I don't think so. Personally, I, there hasn't been any change uh, that I'm aware of. We have changed master distillers. Um, our original distiller left 2019. He's in your neck of the woods. He's up at Ten Mile Distillery, up at uh, Upper State, New York. Um, oh yeah. Was Wasiac, Wasiac, or Wasiac? Um, I was like, yeah. Yeah, it about an hour and forty minutes north of New York. So Shane's there. He's uh, I think they've just released their own ten year old with uh, not ten year old their own whiskey as well. So good luck to him. He's always wanted to work and live in the United States, so it's great. But then Ian Kerr, who had came up and was working with Shane for the first three years, just the two of them at the distillery. Ian has stepped up to the plate. He's our distillery manager, has been since two thousand nineteen. You don't get Ian doing anything like this. You don't get him doing shows or festivals or talks or interviews. He's one of the most humblest man men I've met. He just he just says, Look, leave me alone. Just let me make the whiskey. Let me let me manage the distillery. That's what you pay me for. That's that's my job. If if somebody needs a signature or whatever, I'll think about it. But at the end of the day, just let me get on with why I'm here now. For me, that, you know, it, for me, that's sometimes quite difficult because people always want to see, always want to have a chat with the master distiller, the distillery manager, get a photo opportunity and do everything like that. But Ian, bless him, is just like, get everybody away. Just leave me alone. Let me get my job done. So he's like, you know, I've described him sometimes when he's in the warehouse and he's popping up here and there. And he's like a wee elf-like. Magical creature, you know, he's one minute he's there, the next minute he's somewhere else. He's never stopped and he's always on the go. Um, So even even with our change in distillery manager, there was never a change in what we did. There was never somebody coming in and saying, well, I'm the distillery manager. I'm the master distiller now and this is what we're going to do. Because, again, it's about the security of what we do and we're doing it. We've been doing it great with very little people for a, a little space of time, so we're satisfied and we're proud of the process. So let's continue to do that. Um, never say never in business, you never know what's going to happen in the future, or you never know which way the business is going to go. But if it ain't broke, you don't have to fix it.
0: And if I remember correctly from the very beginning of our conversation, it seems like you know you didn't. Wolfburn did not put down how do I put this? It didn't put down its official first spirit until the experimentation was done. Uh, you figured out the yeast that you wanted to use the fermentation times, the, all of that. Um, so which would contribute to a consistency because you're not spending the first few years trying to figure out what that character is going to be. Yes. You you know it before the spirit hits the wood. Um no, that makes sense. And uh Ian gets the he gets a pass because you know in in outside the US really here we've got this this celebrity focus on master distillers, master yeah. blenders, they they gotta be the face of the brand too, and they're not spending as much time on the floor, yeah, so to speak. Whereas in Scotland, Ireland, anywhere else, um it's really you know, as hell, we're talking right now. You know, you're the face of the brand, you get to be. The representative around the world
1: yeah yeah
0: and it's very different
1: it is and and I'm, I'm you know i'm proudly privileged to do the job that i do but i wouldn't have as easy of a job i wouldn't have as interesting as a job without these guys putting in the hard yards day-to-day producing a great spirit because as i say if i was trying trying to to push a spirit that I had no confidence in or I had certain misgivings or I, I wasn't really sure about it, it would make my job a lot easier. But because the spirit is, again, remember, I'm totally biased. I was born there. I grew up there. I'm now working for the distillery. But it makes my job very easy when these, these folk at the distillery are putting in their their, you know the passion, the motivation to to do everything to produce a great whiskey. Um, yeah. So hats off to them, and hats off to Ian because he's he's running the distillery. He's doing things. He's changing things. He's employing new starts. Uh, people just from school apprentices. We've just started Nicola. She's been with us for a couple of months. She used to help out the bottling hall as well. So again, it's about Training for the future. It's about, you know, I'll say it again, that business continuity. You know, we want to train people for future positions at Wolfburn. Our our distillery manager, our second in charge, our deputy distillery manager is Ennis. Now, Innes started with us 2016, seven years in. He's 23. He's our deputy distillery manager because he has the knowledge, he's got the confidence, he has the training. An age shouldn't, you know, everybody go We're twenty-three, lad. but he's ingrained into the system right. of Wolf. Bund. He is he is part of the the the, the working beast of Wolfburn. You know, he is an integral part. And this is what you want to do with the business. You want to train people and you want to motivate them and you want to guide them and mentor them in a way that they feel valued and respected as, as employees. But when I use the word employees, you know, it's, it's always nice for us to refer to the Wolfburn family because we know everybody, everybody knows each other and that in itself creates a, a, a great working environment because we're all pulling for the same, the same, um we're, we're all pulling for the same um, goal. We're all mm-hmm. focused on what we should be doing and why we should be doing it to produce a great, unique spirit. So it's it's working.
0: That makes sense, and I like that idea of it's a uh, you know meritocracy. You're working your way up the yeah. la- out the ladders, and as you said earlier too, you know that even mm-hmm. if whether people are staying with Wolfburn or whether they go on to another organization, another distillery they're bringing that ethos with them yeah which always reflects back on it reflects back on wolfburn quite well
1: you know it's like our you know i mentioned our co-range earlier on and you start with firm foundations any any job that you do you get the good grounding the good training you know it gives you a steady a steady platform to then go the extra mile and to to train up and you know, this is exactly what we're doing at, at at the distillery with everybody involved as well.
0: Absolutely. All right, so got two more questions for you before closing out with the what is the outlook? And um, the first one is uh yeah, it's about that wood management. And uh, so the question, of course, has to deal with. the, uh, the cast that you're using, how you're adapting the casts or adapting the spirit with the casket, how they work together. And um, in listening to you and reading about you talking about it in the past, it reminded me of a, a recent podcast guest uh, being the Glen Alley. Okay. And how, you know, Billy Walker came in and he's focusing much more on the maturation side. He knows he's got good spirit. Yeah. But focus on getting the best wood the best casks and showcasing the whiskey using those casks in a certain way yeah and as again as i was listening to you and, and reading um your interviews it sounded the same kind of idea where you're trying to get wood that will add to or enhance the flavor yes. of the Wolfburn core spirit without overtaking it yes or exactly. inviting it yeah um yeah, so, so I, I think let's just go into what. How did that particular decision, kind of come about, or, or how, do, how does yeah. that work in practice for you guys? Yeah.
1: Um, again, I, I use the analogy of if you want, if you want something that everybody wants, you go to maybe if let's like, say for furniture, IKEA. No disrespect. Mm-hmm. And you buy it, you build it. It's functional you're happy with it, but if you want something unique, you go to a craftsman, you go to a carpenter, you, you get the the wood, you get the the space, they build something through their years of knowledge to bespoke artisanal design, and this is what we are trying to do with our wood management program. It's like scoring a goal for your, your team. You want your teammates to put you on their shoulders and Drive you around or walk you around the, the pitch to the applause. So, we want that Wolfburn DNA to be, you know, the goal scorer. And we want the Wood Management Programme to be our team to proclaim the spirit, as I said earlier on. How do we do that? We've got a great Cooperage in Speyside. It's based in Keith and um, Ailsa Cooperage. And the previous director who's still involved, Ricky Proctor, a well well known character in the the Cooperage business. Again, Ricky knows what we want. He knows what our spirit is. He knows what we're trying to do. Our flavor profiles. Again, you said it's about getting the best casts. There's no point producing a great spirit if you're going to put in a. In a in a rubbish cask, whether you lose it because it's not made properly or it's not tightened, or but it's easy to say, oh, we want the best casks and we want the um we want to produce the great spirit, but it's not. It's, sometimes it's not as easy as that because we don't have ever-ending pockets. You know, a bourbon cask might be say 100 euros, a hundred th- euros, a thousand for a Spanish oak sherry butt as well. So. It's like I get emails every week, not every week, every other week from um, from, from cask sellers um, that have weird, and wonderful types of cask for, for sale. I'll go back to what we said about Wolfburn that were traditional whiskey makers. So our bourbon cask maturation. We've got a combination of bourbon and sherry cast maturation whether they're hogsheads or whether they're sherry butts our 10 year old which i have you may have heard a cork popping in the background i have yeah. just poured a drop of our 10 year old and um, it's now 10 to 10 at night so it's this is my nighttime dram that i'm going to have but um we've done some We've done two finishes in our small batch in twenty twenty. We did a port finish, and we did a Madeira cask finish as well. Previously, five years in bourbon casks. Um, we hadn't done any sort of finished whiskies uh, until those two, um, those two opportunities. And and I think again how that came about. We got the nod that these casks were available. So it's about that communication that we have with our cooperage, it's it's that communication we have with the like the task buyers, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about sometimes seizing an opportunity that if we think, is that gonna be good for business? Is it gonna be something unusual or something different that we want to try? Because all the distilleries will tell you about their successes, but none of them will tell you about their failures. Um, and our five-year bourbon casks that were maturing beautifully, we used that. We use those casks in our uh, landscape, one of our core expressions, which is an absolutely banging dram. It's an absolutely cracking dram. So the fact that we decided to use a, I think it was a Fonseca port cask to do six months to do a small batch release, we weren't trying to hide anything with those excellent bourbon cask matured whiskies. We just wanted to give it just that wee bit of difference because we wanted to release something that we'd never done before. That's why we did it with the Madeira cask finish as well. So it's not as if we release these finishes because we had to we had to fix the five years matured bourbon casks. You know we don't we don't have to do that because we've got supreme confidence in what we do. What we want is we want to be able to bring people to the brand, keep them on brand, and then give them and tease them and tantalize them with something that we bit unusual from time to time. But again, not wild and wacky like um, herring barrels or Tabasco casks or, and no Thank disrespect, God. no disrespect, but yeah. as traditional whiskey makers, we want to cast our net wide. So we want, there's a core range the, the non-peated spirit in a lightly peated cask. We've got the aurora, which is our sherry aged, which is a combination 50-50 sherry and bourbon. The morven that you mentioned. The lightly peated spirit, which we only do for maybe two or three months a year, and it's only 10 ppm. So again, when we talk about our wood management program not overwhelming our spirit, the the ppm, the phenolic compound, we don't want that smokiness to overwhelm our spirit as well. Mm -hmm. We don't want that that smokiness to to deter from that beautiful, fruity, floral flavour. So the the smokiness has just given it an edge. And, you know, you've maybe heard me describe it as like a veil of smoke, and the the flavour can actually come through as the veil flutters back and forward. You know, like the tide coming back and forward. We don't want it to be like a wall of smoke a peat monster Mm -hmm. that you can't penetrate, you can't get round we just want it to sit on the back pallet, we just want that playful puff off now and again and that fruity floral light, vibrant flavour to still be there Um, the landscape yeah, the the bourbon cask only maturation at 58% um, jumps up, but yeah um, we've had rum casks we've got some beautiful port pipes Um, in our distillery. Um, We've got some casks probably that I'm not allowed to tell you about, which is Mm -hmm. great. Because again, it keeps folk on the hook and they keep trying to get the information out of me. Um, All shapes, all sizes, but traditional dunnage. So five warehouses on site, we might have to ask the neighbours if they've got some land to spare in the future. But um, let's let's just see where we go it's not just about looking at next year or the year after you know you have to plan five ten years from now where we are Farmers' schools sure. on the other side of the wolf burn, you know um would there be an opportunity for us to expand into uh, in, into them you just never know um and these these questions and, and these important decisions for our longevity uh, are in our owners hands in our and, and, and they're always, you know, they're hands on guys. They're at the distillery, they're hands on, they know that um the, the workings, they know the well it's it's amazing listening to the when you when you speak to our owners of just about how you know they don't just sit back and, and look at the distillery. You know they're there. They're it's it, it's it's heartwarming. It really is because it's part of them. And this is a business that they've always said before, yes, businesses buying, sell, go, do something else. This is now their business. This is now their, their plan for, like generational plan for business. Again, like any great distillery, you know, passing through families sure. since time immemorial. Um, and this is why we love people coming to the brand at the moment because back 15 20 years from now you're 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 at the very start of wolfburn you know and there's not very many great distilleries and you say you were there at the very inception so we're going on an adventure i always say that so come along for the ride come with us absolutely
0: uh the last question i have with the with the wood management is and i do agree with you that veil is a great descriptor yeah for the smoke i actually had to go back and and check whether there was peat when I tried the uh, the Northland, because yeah. it, it's very mild. Like if you're sensitive to peat, of course you're gonna notice it right away. But it was just that very end smokiness, uh,
1: just barely vegetal,
0: just enough. Yeah, just
1: through the maturation, because it's a it's a non peated spirit matured in a peat right. water. And again, exactly. Yeah, it's again it's just that little nuance, just that little sort of burnt match smokiness mm-hmm. to it. But it it just Gives it. folk just stop and go. Wait a minute, and we like that. You know, a whiskey Mm -hmm. is great. I love a whiskey that you knows it, and you get you're thinking of A, but when you taste it, you get B, and you just have to. Your brain just stops and gives itself a shake and says, "Well, I wasn't expecting that." That Mm -hmm. that's when you have to focus what's in front of you. You have to concentrate because it's giving you, you know, it's giving you a a wee low baller. It's giving you like the sidewinder, and you weren't expecting it. So. Um, I, I love that in the whiskey. I really do.
0: Absolutely. And have you found uh so the, the last question on the wood management is have you found that a particular ex bourbon cask works best with the wolf spirit?
1: Um no, I'll be honest with you. No, we, we, we don't stick with one. Um we, we, we tend to take a lot of the, the well known. Uh, bourbon casks then and um, again i think that's a quite a sensible business solution to maybe sure. putting all your eggs in one basket and then all of a sudden something happens and then you've got to change the, the entire profile of your your spirit your 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 whiskey if it's a an expression um but the the, the good thing is because our cooperage is in SpaceId, it's part of the Space Cooperage umbrella, although they all work in their own independent um sort of uh, fields. Um but the, the the sort of buying power that the the big Cooperage has and the access to some great casts, again it we we just have we just have to have to have the notification from, from the guys there and they're usually good because they usually know what what we what we've discussed in the past what we're looking for and they're always looking to to bag the the best and the, the newest or the um I don't want to say cheapest either because it's not it's not it's not just about buying the cheapest because no you you've got to invest you know, ever some of our casks, you know, we haven't emptied yet. You know, some of our casks we have, we've just, you know, you know, you talk about filling again. You know, we a lot of distilleries sell casks to uh, people for their gardens and this. We we very rarely have an opportunity to sell casks because we're still using them. You know, we're still young. We're you know, whenever there's a cask for sale, it's like it's it's like a a rampage down to the distillery because somebody wants them somebody wants them quick because they're like gold dust Um so yeah sorry i don't know if I, I if you ask the question there i've just gone off on one of my usual rant and tangents
0: no no you're you're fine the, the reason i asked is because uh, really unless you're looking for a specific cast to use a specific yeah. bourbon cast let's say yeah, i mean chances are it's going to be jim jack makers or maybe heaven hill It's yeah. know it's really going to be one of those four most likely uh and and there's as you know there's nothing wrong with that it that's it's consistent it's yeah you know and especially if you're using it more than once it
1: yeah yeah we just just on that we had we had a a good opportunity way back in 2014 to get i think it was about 100 small woodford reserve bourbon casks experimental Mm -hmm. only 100 liters in size so we used them for our small batches 128, which was a peated spirit. We did another next again year, the 270, which was a non-peated spirit in, in around about 30, 35 of these casks. And then the 375 came out in 2019. That was a non-peated with some sherry casks. And again, having an opportunity to like put our hands on and bag these small Woodford Reserve casks, it was a it was a great opportunity for us to do something different and special.
0: That's I, mean, I should have said, in addition to Jack, um, the general Brown Foreman portfolio yeah. has a lot of casks out there in the market. So um, Woodford in their early times, yeah. Old Forrester. but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's what out, what's out there and it does really well. And I think, to the point of this entire conversation, if you've got a good spirit going into it that has its own character, yeah, you don't necessarily want something that's going to be out there for the cast because you want the spirit to still be able to shine through. So yeah, quite
1: correct, quite correct.
0: So with that, uh, you know, we'll close out just by mentioning, as you said, you just released last month, the new 10-year-old. Yeah. Um, that's just out. Uh, the cast strength as well, is that a new release or? Uh, an expanded uh, release. Our
1: new cash release was released to the public today. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So um, this is a, a new 2023 cash release uh, that we've done. Um, fifty six point nine. I think it is. I've not even had a taste of it yet. I've not even had a bottle of it yet. Um, it, it's uh, it well, it will come to my lips very soon. But again, with a ten-year-old and the cask strength, it keeps people on the hook. You know, for us, it keeps people interested because our, our 10-year-old uh, is full sherry maturation. Well, we're also sherry casks. Um, I'm lucky enough, I've got a sherry cask from 2014 and 2018 in the warehouse as well. Um, so the, the, the 2013 casks that are coming out for our 10-year-old are sublime, they are. It's an absolute pleasure. Forty-six percent, and it's going to be part of the core range as well. So, it's adding to the portfolio of the business, which is great for us because already, um, it's selling across the world really, really well. And then we'll be looking at yeah, we'll be looking at redoing orders very, very soon for it because it's it, it's that you create that excitement with a young independent distillery putting out non-age statement whiskeys. And then bang, you've got a 10-year-old. It's a milestone. You know, it's like c- celebrating. I was up, you know, uh, on the 25th of January this year, you know, 10 years. You know, we're mm-hmm. standing in the distillery, looking at each other, going, 10 years. This is 10 years old, you know. Like, just, like, like eyes wide and, your mouth, your smiles like up to your ears, you know, beaming because you're super proud of that achievement and and everybody everybody that was there was feeling exactly the same thing because it is an achievement, it is a huge milestone it is something to be celebrated um, so yeah cash release today what's next I'll keep that under the hat I think keep you, keep you even more on the hook just date that even more Fair enough. I
0: will have to, uh, search out for that 10 year old. Talk to the guys at impact, see what we can work out, but, cause I, I definitely want to, once I to want to keep up with what you guys are putting out It's yeah. great stuff. And I really do like it. So with that, yeah, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time, uh, to chat about Wolfburn, about the ethos of the distillery, everything about it, the wood management. Um, there's more to find out. We'll definitely have some tasting notes out that'll include more details on each of the releases uh, that I've gotten to try already. And hopefully a couple that'll get to try in the future. And what else am I forgetting? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, Oh, in case you didn't catch that, by the way, their anniversary is burns night. So yes. Don't forget that easy way to remember it. It And with that, uh, you know, all the usual stuff you'll hear it in the end roll too, but will there, be, there will be links to social media to where to find these whiskeys with the new di- uh, distribution. There's gonna be more of it around the country, around the US, which I'm very excited for. So if you're looking for it, ask your local retailer, reach out to uh, impacts beverages at impactsbev.com, excuse me. Uh, go to wolfburn.com, look at the distillery, look at the infographics, the videos of the distillery being built, which was, we didn't even touch on that, but that's a great video. Yeah to your show uh, time lapse. Uh, yeah it's it's wonderful you don't get to see that but um yeah with that mark hold on f- with me for a sec after we finish recording it's been another episode of the whiskering podcast thanks to you everyone for listening i'll see you next week Cheers. hey folks thanks for listening to another episode of the whiskering podcast if you like what you hear please go ahead and click that subscribe follow or like button Leave a rating review on your podcast app of choice and let me know what you want to hear. You can reach out to me through the podcast apps or email me at David at whiskey, with any suggestions or ideas for new show guests. You can also support the podcast at patreoncom slash whiskey and my wedding ring. That's whiskey with an E for as little as a dollar a month. $5 a month gets you access to bonus content, including our soon to resume under the influencer series. And $25 a month means you join the Barrel Share Club. Each month, Barrel Share Club members get to try products sent to me for review, bottles from my own collection, and sometimes bottles that I just pick up because they're fun or interesting. Right now, only five spots remain in the Barrel Share Club, so grab your place today. Finally, please follow on Instagram. You can follow me at Whiskey My Wedding Ring or at Whiskey Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Whiskey Ring. You can follow on Facebook at Whiskey My Wedding Ring or join the Facebook group, the Whiskey Ringers Group. And I hope to see you there. Cheers. Thank you for the support and see you next time.